0: First for Dave, and, and and second of all, before I read any more of the card, it's good to have Miss K with us today. Amen. And uh, it's good to have Miss Kay back. That's who this card is from, and and, and all through it here, I, she just wants to express her gratitude to you guys and uh, to the church for being there for. Her. And it's good to have her back today. And so I'm gonna stick this back there. Y'all read it, all right? And y'all make sure you say hi to her. It's been it's good to have you back, and as well. It's good to have Miss Joanne back today. Praise the Lord. Now, she's not going to do any goodness gracious great balls of fire today, all right? But, but she's going to play for us, all right? So praise the Lord. We're thankful to have her back. Thank for J.L. for leading us through the, the uh, silent nights, <laughs> if you will. That took us down a couple weeks to Acapulco and Alamode or all that stuff. We appreciate it. We enjoyed it. As well here, this is an announcement for you ladies. How many ladies are out there today? Alright, y'all are quiet, are you sure? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't want to get in trouble this morning. Alright, y'all are going shopping. Who wants to go shopping, ladies? All right, a couple of you, not so much. All right. I'm sure it's going to be a wild trip. Well attended. <laughs> Alright, well ladies, if you want to, there's going to be a shopping trip to the Pinnacle. In case you want to know what the Pinnacle looks like, it looks like that. You can't see the name of the signs of the stores there, but there's a Bass Pro Shop. So any guys want to take another van, we can tag along. If the ladies don't want to go, we'll at least go to Bass Pro. But uh, the ladies, you guys will go that morning, meet at the church at 7.30. That is on the, what, what day is this? Oh, there it is. I can't read. Saturday, November 12th. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> y'all make sure you read your Bible along with me this morning if I'm having a trouble with that font. All right. We'll meet. All right. Y'all will meet November 12th. At 7.30, so mark it down, save your some, some coins, and, and uh, steal your husband's credit card or something. Uh, just kidding. Uh, and uh, you guys will have a good time. Today, um, we will be having a brief meeting after the morning service for kids' club workers. So if you're a visitor, and if you're not a visitor, here's my hand. It's good to see you. I wish I could talk to you after service, but we got to have a quick meeting for our kids' club. So if you're a kids' club worker, meet right down here real quick. All of three to five minutes, roughly, give or take two or three, okay? Um, And we'll meet here, get that done, have a quick meeting for our kids' club. And then as well, tonight, um, hopefully this doesn't scare you off, all right? Hopefully this encourages you to come. We've got revival starting. we got uh, Taylor Gillespie coming in uh, tomorrow morning. He's flying into Charlotte, going to go pick him up. He'll be preaching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, 7 o'clock. And so tonight what we're going to do is something a little different. We're going to have just an old-fashioned prayer meeting. I encourage you to come. Tonight, and we're just going to gather around this sanctuary, even in the hallways. We're going to walk around. We're going to lay down. Whatever you need to do, find yourself a spot and pray. And we want to pray that the Lord would meet with His people, that we would come with hearts that are ready to be purified by the Word of God, that we would come uh, before Him and receive all that we need from the power of His Spirit, the power of His Word, as the Word comes and is preached. And so I'm looking forward to this week. I invite you to invite some people. We've got some more flyers out there. Let somebody know on Facebook. Give somebody a call. You never know what one time uh, can do. We never know what one prayer can do uh, for another soul or even for your own. Um, a reminder as well, we would like deposits due for the Men's Prayer Advance. Um, a Deposit's $100. The full money is due at the end of the month. Uh, also, men, if you are planning on going, make sure you sign up on that sheet or let me know personally because you want to get registered in the next week or so, all right? So we can go ahead and get rooms and get you registered because room does run out quick both in the hotels and and at the conference, all right? But that's for the Men's Prayer Advance uh, next uh, January. Then, um, let's see here, Uh, revival starts, we got that, I invite you to come, make sure you mark it down, make plans to join us. Then Sunday, October the 30th, that's next Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're going to be having our fabulous semi Fall Fun Fling Ding and Chili Cook Off, where we're going to have fun, 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 until we're done, done, done. Does that sound good? All right, we'll find out. Uh, we hope you guys can come. We, we, we're just going to have a good night of fellowship. Bring you a pot of chili. we got prizes ready to go for the best chili and the hottest chili. We've also got some door prizes, some games, uh, some things like that. We'll have a photo booth. Um, but bring you some chili. Bring If you don't eat chili, bring something else to share, all right? Bring some desserts. We'll have some fun. We're going to eat whatever's there. And uh, if it's bad, we won't, we won't tell you. We'll just eat it anyways, all right? So just come and enjoy a good time of fellowship. Then Sunday, November the 6th, um, that's the first Sunday in November. The seniors' ministry will be having a a lunch. Um, The meal will be barbecue, baked beans, coleslaw, rolls, desserts, and the donations will be going towards their upcoming trip to the Art Museum in December. All right, so mark that down. Come hungry and uh, come ready to donate and give them some some money, and uh, you'll enjoy some good food out of it. And they'll get to go in December for their trip. And then as well, (coughs) we got Christmas in Kentucky. Um, our missionary uh, takes uh, shoe boxes there. We've got shoe boxes in the back on our mission board table. Take you a shoe box and a little letter that shows you what all to put in there. Put some love into that box. Turn them in. When you turn them in, bring them right in here and we'll place them there. We've got till the end of November. I know that seems like a long ways away, but it's not. All right, it's coming quick, so make sure you get you a box. And then, as well, want to thank you guys who have been bringing in candy. We're going to take in more wrap candy up it through this Wednesday for the safe. Uh, trick-or-treat candy thing that they do out downtown. We've got bags that we're putting together that have tracks for kids and families and invitations, and we'll be giving them out some candy there. Uh, so if you can uh, donate to any of those, we certainly appreciate it. But this morning, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to worship the Lord. And for the first time, with uh, some piano. So praise the Lord. Let's lift up our voices. Let's sing the same way we've been singing the past few weeks, because as we've talked about, whether we've got a full orchestra or whether we've just got a a barn and some rusty voices and some rusty nails. We're going to sing and praise God. He's worthy of it. Uh, So let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us today. We thank you for your word, God, that we can open it up. We can hear it preached. We can understand it uh, through the power of your spirit. I pray that today, God, that you would prepare every heart for the message, prepare us for the songs to worship you in spirit and in truth, that today that uh, Christ would be honored and and glorified. And Lord, today, if there's a sinner who, who needs to be saved, God, I pray that you would save them. If there's a saint who's struggling with sin or or discouragement, whatever the need might be, God, I pray that you would meet that need according to your word and according to your spirit. God, we thank you that we can set aside this week uh, for some revival meetings. We pray, God, that revival wouldn't even tarry to tomorrow night, but we might have it even this morning, Lord. I don't see a reason why uh, we couldn't have that. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to your people. Give us what we need. And Lord, even more so, God, give us hearts that will receive you, that will look to Christ today. And Lord, we just thank you for this time. We pray that you would meet with us now and that you would be glorified and honored in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord and good morning to all. If you're able, please stand and we'll start our singing service here. Hymn number 153, Worthy of Worship, Our God, our God is Worthy of Worship. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Everything God created was for His pleasure, including us, amen. Worthy of worship. Let's hold on just a minute. We ain't got sound on the piano yet. Introduction again. I'm gonna make her work hard since she's been off slot. Amen. with the pastor, and I know from a pure heart, it's all right with our Heavenly Father. When you want to praise the Lord, you raise your hand, amen? It's all right to do that, and that is part of worship and praise to our Heavenly Father who deserves it. He is worthy. Lord, we praise you, hymn number 222, Psalm 150, verse 1, tells us, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's what this is, a sanctuary here today. Praise him in the firmament of his power. And Psalm 150 verse 6 tells us, Let everything that hath breath, that qualifies all of us, because you're standing up today. Amen. Let everything that (laughs) hath breath, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Lord, we praise you. Lord Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, we thank you, you, Lord, amen, remain standing if you're able. Acts 4.12 tells us. Neither is there a salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. So our song now, it's a handout, it's not in the hymnal, but we got it overhead, In Christ Alone. I <laughs> Blood. said amen what a message in that song now don't sit down we're gonna shake hands we're gonna wave we're gonna speak we're gonna make everyone feel welcome and be glad that you're all here hello everybody If y'all shake hands i'll shake your hands Okay, praise the Lord for a little fellowship, amen? Thank you all, and uh, you may be seated when you get done fellowshipping. We have some special music down by Miss Cammie, pastor's wife, so in case some of y'all don't know who she is, that's pastor's wife. I think 99% of us here know that. There might be a visitor that don't know that, but Miss Cammy, you come on. one thing, there's a lot of good scripture in that song. I like that. Encouraging and uplifting and edifying. Main thing, edifying. Amen. For y'all uh, bow your head and close your eyes and pray with this old sinner right here. Amen. Saved by grace. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, this beautiful day. You've given us sun shining, birds are singing, some are shivering because of the coolness in the air, but we praise you for it. We thank you for the opportunity to come to your house here, Lord, and sit down and listen to singing and preaching and teaching uh, of your word here, Lord. We praise you for that and thank you so much for that freedom that we have and opportunity that we have in this country to do that. Lord, we thank you for our pastor and ask, Lord, you touch him. Lord, bless him. Give him a Lord, a fresh anointing and power from on high to preach and proclaim the great truths from your wonderful, amazing word, Lord. And and speak to hearts, help our hearts to be receptive, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, things coming from you through our pastor this morning. And speak to every heart, challenge us, convict us, encourage where there's encouragement needed, heal where there's healing needed. And Lord, just have your will and your way in this service, and bless, and for your honor and your glory we assemble here today, and may everything said and done so far, and continue to edify and glorify, and Lord, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand, we'll sing one more song here. Uh, I'll Fly Away, hymn number 779. One day we're going to fly away. Second Corinthians 5, 8 tells us we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And when we fly away that day, that's where we're going, to be present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some glad morning, 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 morning when this life is over Give our pastor a nice welcome, and she brings the word of God.
0: All right. We're grateful for the worship this morning. Uh, Here, real quick, what we we got is, before I get to preaching, is uh, we got a video this morning uh, I want to show with you guys. Um, How many of y'all, some of y'all have asked, but how many of you guys remember about a month or so ago we were doing a fundraiser for Joybringers African Missionary in Togo, and uh, they were doing their event. Well, we've got the video, and it's it's going. So we're going to watch it. (laughs) Got volume? There we go.
2: Thank you. Who are able to help and give food supplies to all the We just want to do more. We just want to show love and preach the gospel to our nation. Thank you for everything that you do. God bless you. No fear.
0: Give the Lord a hand for that. And uh, you guys as well. I want to help narrate a little bit of it for you. Um, so, what you guys got to see, and, and I want to tell you this is what you guys got to do. Um, between you and one other church, uh, all the funds that were needed to give school supplies to over 600 young people, as you guys got to see, to provide a day away from their life of uncertainty, to give them food and fun the school supplies that they got to have, and what you got to see there is there was two of the workers who were standing there and talking, and all the kids were sitting down. What they do in, in countries like that, it's much, uh, much less focused on a preaching like this, and they do a lot with storytelling and things of that nature. So they uh, tell the story of the gospel, they act these things out, they get the children involved, and, and uh, so through this, you guys got to see, and you guys got to be a part of so many young people getting to hear the gospel to help get plugged into churches, to give them school supplies. And this is why giving to missions matters. This is why we can never outgive God. This is why we can never outpray God. This is why we can never outpraise God. We must see that there is a lost world out there. And it doesn't always look like us. And I thank God that one day, because of the giving that you guys and your hearts, that there's going to be some people. And that video, who trusted Christ, and one day you will be around the same throne to worship the same God for the same eternity in the same heaven, and they've never done church like we have. I've never seen us dance around and praise the Lord either. (laughs) Yeah. Might make us move a little bit. But praise the Lord, and I want to thank each one of you. And uh, for my brother Mati, there at the end, our missionary for Joybringers Africa I would tell him if he gets to watch this, no fear, faith only, brother. Alright, take your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21 this morning. How many of y'all know we got revival meetings starting tomorrow night? Alright, a couple of you. How many of y'all plan on coming? Alright, the rest of you not sure? Well, hopefully you'll be sure after this, alright. As we come to this time, I felt uh, very... Uh, burdened by the Lord for us to, to take a pause there in Colossians, and I believe we'll see why, and to come to this place where we see what revival looks like. Revival cannot be drummed up by you or me. Revival cannot be drummed up by a, a preacher or a singer, right? We could actually have the Gaither show up, right? And, and, and revival is not going to break out. Revival only comes one way, the same way that any growth in your life comes. And that is by looking to Christ. Today, I want us to understand that there is truly only one message that I have today for anyone that is lost today or for anyone that is saved today. Whether you are saved and struggling or whether you are saved and have never felt more saved or spiritual in your life today, the only message that I have today is look to Christ and live. We must look and live. Numbers chapter 21, we're going to see verses 4 through 9. It says, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Look and live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Let us pray. My God, we want to thank You for this day. We want to thank You for the reading of Your Word, for the songs sung, for the worship lifted. I pray, God, that today we would have the right hearts and motives. And I pray that now, Lord, You would prepare each heart Uh, for your word, God, to hear the preaching of it. And as well, God, that we would just thank you, Lord, for the the work that you've accomplished through the giving and and through the gospel, Lord, that we see that it still saves sinners, both young, old, and here in America or there in Africa. Lord, the gospel is still what is needed, Lord. There is still one message to be proclaimed throughout all the world, and it's look and live, Lord. I pray that now, if there's one today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today that you would draw them to repentance, that they would see the terrible sinfulness of which they're in, that they would see the wilderness of which they're wandering, and God, that they would look to Christ and live, and be born again today. God, for the saint today that is struggling, that is discouraged, or that is downcast, or that is uh, perhaps going disobedient, Lord, and going wayward, I pray that today that they would do the same. Look and live. Lord, I pray that today you would reveal Christ to us, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we're approaching revival, I wanted to try to define it for you, and and according to dictionary.com, the first place a preacher always looks is Dictionary.com. The definition of revival is a restoration to life, consciousness, vigor, strength, or a restoration to usefulness and acceptance. Folks, we need revival. We need a renewed strength. We need a restoration of life. If you've been saved today, you've already been given eternal life, an abundant life, everlasting life. We're called to live in it. We've talked about that in Colossians the past few weeks. We've been given this, but yet many of us are living in the way of death. Many of us are still yet living in the flesh. And we are living in our own wilderness of which we've created. We are living without victory. We are living without faith. We are living uh, without, without the ability to simply live as we were called to live and have the ability to live. We need life once more. Some of you have grown cold, weary, tired, burdened, uncaring, unconcerned about lost souls. We've grown uncaring about even coming through and expecting God to move in a service. We wouldn't even know what that would look like anymore. Few of us know what it means to sit and to wait and be still and wait upon the Lord. I think about perhaps the greatest revival that ever took place during the day of Pentecost. And you know what what happened beforehand? You know what the apostles were doing to drum that sucker up? They were shut up in a room for ten days and they prayed. Most of us know little of what that life looks like. I want you to know that this week, as we come to revival, if you feel that you want to be restored and need to be restored to usefulness or whatever it might be, or even perhaps our own church or our community, we say and we talk about revival being throughout all the world and throughout the rest of the country. The world needs to be regenerated. The world needs to be reborn. The church and you, dear believer, needs revival a restoration and renewal to life, to strength once more that has faded be restored to usefulness for God. If you think revival is only for the others around you or for the other churches or for the other members, because right now somebody in this room is thinking about you and you're thinking about somebody else, you're the one that desperately needs revival. Revival is not... For everybody else. Because if you think that you don't need revival, you, my friend, are the one that needs it the most. And there is no formula for revival. Matter of fact, you can come each night. You can even sit on the front row. You can sing the songs the loudest. You can even amen the loudest and still leave here unrevived or even worse, unregenerate. There are countless souls who do that every Sunday morning. And we don't need that because that's not revival nor is that worship. What we need is to look away from the world, the flesh, and the devil, to look away from who we were, to look away from our sinfulness, to look away from the things of this world, to look away from our burdens, to look away from our concerns, to look away from our expertise, and to look away from our talents and our gifts, to look away from our self-dependence and self-reliance, to look away from our pride, to look away from our programs and our budgets and our this and our that. To look to Christ Then and only then will we find revival. Looking to Christ is the answer for the sinner, and looking to Christ is the answer for the saint. Today, if you need to be saved, look to Christ and live. Today, dear saint of God, are you discouraged? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you cast down? Do you feel unuseful for God? Do you feel like you can't be used anymore? Do you feel like your life is just over? Do you feel as if you just are so far from God? Today, the answer is the same. Look to Christ and live you will not find revival any other way you will not even find it by just a confessing of your sins because you need to confess the longer that you dwell upon your sin the more that you will stay in your sin the more that you dwell upon your past the more you will stay in your past the more you focus upon your, your issues and your problems the more you will stay in those problems and in those issues but the more that we look to Christ the more that we will find the life of which he has already purchased and bought and given to his people that's what we need Today, personal and public revival is only a look of faith away. You see, we often think that we need to have maybe a certain length of time for meetings or certain things to happen in our revival meetings to have revival. Revival could happen in Sunday school. You look at any real revival or any awakening that's ever taken place, it hasn't even happened in a special revival meeting. It's happened when people got together and prayed. It's when people began to believe God and to trust God and to ask that it would be open, and to knock that it would be open, to ask that they would receive. It was with hands lifted up, asking for the Lord, even begging and pleading with God for Him to do something. We often go, Lord, give revival. Well, it didn't happen yet, so I guess, well, I prayed about it, so it must be done, right? Or, you know, revival didn't come, or I guess God just doesn't want to revive us this revival meeting. the reason why we keep having revival meetings is because we just don't seem to get it right. Real revival has lasting change. And this week and even this morning, dear sinner and dear saint, I don't want you to merely just be challenged by the Word of God. I want you to be changed by the Word of God. We we can have all the challenge you want, but you will not be changed until the Spirit of God and until your will is broken and you surrender to Him by faith, then and only then will it be applied. Then and only then will you be changed by the Word of God. That's what we're looking for. And tonight, or this morning rather, if you're not looking for real change, that's because you don't really want revival. Real revival causes real change. And not for just the ones around you that, oh boy, preacher, they need it. Real revival will cause each one of us to change from the guy up here, to everyone out there. The sinner up here, the sinners out there. We need revival. G. Campbell Morgan once said, revival cannot be organized. But we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon His people again. Lord, that that revival wind would blow even this morning. Revival will only come this week, let alone this morning, as God looks upon His helpless people and His helpless people look upon Christ for renewal of life, strength, and usefulness. Today as we approach the book of Numbers, I know it's sort of a a step backwards from Colossians there for just the moment, but we need to look and see here what was taking place. There's going to be two things today. Verses 4-6 to we're going to see revival prolonged. Verses 7-9 we're going to see revival provided. As we look here, I want you to know that although we can't bring revival to our hearts or our homes or or our churches or even our community. And we say we want all those things, don't we? Would you say today, and I'm sure that you would, I want revival. Anybody? Maybe you don't. I don't know. We'll find out this week. If we really want revival, I want you to know that you can't bring it. That's the first step to being revived. The, the second step of revival, though, is understanding, though, that you can hinder it. You can prolong revival in your life as long as you don't want it. The Lord God would love to revive His people, to breathe fresh and a new life within them, to have them get a fresh look at Christ once more, to fill you with strength that you used to have, to fill you with comfort and hope that you used to have, to give you the, the perseverance to press forward, to give you... Uh, the gospel assurance of not just heaven but of earth right now to live for Christ. The Lord would love nothing more than to bless his saints with that. But you and I look to all the wrong things for revival. We look to preachers, we look to singing, we look to well, we just we make sure we have a fall revival, a spring revival, and, and we call that revival that's not revival. The reason why our revivals in our community remain unseen, and the reason why our churches remain unseen and unaffected and we have more cobwebs spiritually than you could ever possibly clean with a broom or a mop is because we often just don't want it. Revival would mean that I can't look to myself. Revival and real revival would mean that I can only look to Him. It is His work. And if you are not looking and longing for revival then you will continue living without it. If you are looking and longing for revival for everybody else, they might find it, but you won't. Today, if we want revival for a church, that's nice. You need revival for your heart as much as I need it for mine. If we want a church revived or a community to be reborn, it begins with your heart looking to Christ. Christ. And if each soul in this very room this morning and each soul that comes this, each evening would look to Christ, there would be revival. Revival of which we've never seen before. At least here. we revival to strength and usefulness for the Lord. What we find like Israel, though, unbelief is the very root cause that prolongs revival and it prolongs answers to prayer. Revival tarries because we no longer believe in it. Here it says in verse number four that they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people, who's that people? The people of Israel. They have been left by God's miraculous and mighty hand from the land of Egypt. And where are they headed, church? To the promised land. The promised land sounds good, don't it? A land flowing with milk and honey, a place where they will be able to walk in and to have the place which God had promised them. It was literally the promised land. You and I talk about, and we sing earlier, I'll fly away uh, to glory, right? Just over in the glory. All these things about heaven. And we say that we long, we look forward to it, but right here and right now, we are pilgrims passing through this land. The promised land is to come. Because God promised it. Nevertheless, here's what had happened. How could the people be so discouraged? God was working in their midst. God was very much present in their midst. They had the tabernacle. They had the presence of God. They had... The, the cloud by day and the fire by night to show them God's provi- provision and protection. His very presence was with them in the camp. He provided daily for them manna to eat that they didn't have to work for. They just went out and collected the very gift and grace of God to provide and sustain them all the way to that day where they could enter in to the promised land. If we look back though in Numbers chapter twenty verse fourteen and twenty one, we find that Edom refused easy direct passage through their land. They also threatened and caused Israel to have to take the long way around. Look at verses 14 to 21 in chapter 20. And those that sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom, thus saith thy brother Israel, thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us. How our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice. Let me pause there. Today, if you would cry unto the Lord, he would hear your voice. He says, and he sent an angel and brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards. Neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right nor to the left until we have passed thy borders. Sounds fair, doesn't it? And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest I come out against thee with the sword. Uh Uh-oh. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, Thou shalt not go through. And Edom came out against him with much people and with a strong hand. He's showing his might here. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border Wherefore Israel turned away from him. We find their discouragement comes because they've already been in the wilderness and now they're having to literally turn back into the wilderness to go around Edom. Can't go through it, can't go over it, can't go under it. Gotta go around it. They're taking the long way around as they have And it has been their sinfulness, their disobedience to God that has caused them the long way around. And I would tell you this, this very morning, the reason why revival is tarried, the reason why we've had to take the long way around to revival is because of our disobedient hearts. But discouragement, I believe, is very much a basis for such. When you're discouraged, we're going to find that discouragement leads to discontentment and discontentment leads to disobedience. The three will always go hand in hand. You ever notice someone that's discouraged often finds himself being discontent with everything? Nothing's ever right, nothing's ever good enough, songs weren't good enough, preaching was not good enough, service too short, service too long? What do you want? (laughs) But discontentment quickly leads to disobedience. Because when God is not enough and His manna is not enough, then no matter what God would ever give or do for us is not enough and we will disobey. As a matter of fact, To reject God's grace is disobedience. We're called to receive it. Now these discouraged people, they are now having, instead of being able to go the easy way through Edom, will be a longer way going back through the wilderness and the trials that will come with it. The wilderness doesn't sound so fun. What does it sound like? It sounds like wilderness, doesn't it? It's not the easy way. How often we miss the easy way because of sinfulness, because of our past failures, because of our own response to God's hand. See, all of us want the promised land. None of us want the wilderness. But I would tell us this morning that the way to the promised land often comes through the wilderness. God leads His people along. God is not not working in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, God worked more for the children of Israel in the wilderness than than ever before. Daily providing for them. Daily ministering to them. Daily with them. Daily purifying His people and, and leading them along the way. How many times in the wilderness did He defeat enemies and give passage and provide for them when they had nothing? How many times has God done the same for us? More than what we could ever count or ever understand. And yet you and I, often like Israel, find ourselves in the wilderness and we go, why would God do this? I'm in the wilderness again. God must not love me. I must be doing something wrong. There must be something in the way. How about this? What if you are in the wilderness because God is using that to get you to the promised land? But the greatest point about the promised land is this. It's not the land flowing with milk and honey. It's that the Lord has given it and it's by God's hand and that He's there amongst His people. But yet God is with them there in the wilderness too. God is using that wilderness to purify His people and notice that when God purifies His people, there's an awful lot of them that tend to fall by the wayside. You know who those are? The ones that won't believe. The ones who live by their own frail strength. The ones who refuse to to live in discouragement and discontentment and disobedience and they live in such a way that causes judgment to come upon the people. And these are God's people. Our sinfulness often causes us to see the difficulties of the wilderness without seeing the work that is being done in the wilderness. God is ever pruning and purifying His people so that we may be revived to life and usefulness for His glory. Why does God want to give Israel the promised land? Is it because He wants them to have an easy life? Or is it because He wants His grace and glory displayed through them amongst the heathen? That's the one. Why does God allow you and I to go through the wilderness? To go through these times of trials? To get us to the promised land? Is it just so we can find rest and ease and comfort in our churches and our homes? Or maybe find a little bit more peace in our heart? Or is it to use us to direct the glory of God back to Him? Is it for us to tell all the world that there is a God in heaven who delivers His people. It's for that. You see, discouragement though, in verse 4, can never be an excuse for unbelief. Discouragement can never be the reason why you choose not to follow God. Discouragement can never be the reason why you stop pressing forward. Discouragement ought to be the reason very much so why you keep pressing forward. I'm discouraged, therefore I need the Lord. I'm discouraged, therefore I need one more step to the promised land. I'm discouraged, therefore I must look to Him. I'm discouraged, therefore I must not trust in myself. I'm discouraged, therefore I I am needy and helpless, and I need the Lord. Discouragement should not drive us away from God, but by faith to God. Discouragement should never be the reason why we find ourselves wayward or wasting the time of wilderness. And how often we waste the wilderness that God is using to make us who we need to be. The second thing that we find in verses 5 and 6 are, are really back-to-back back and hand-in-hand. Hand. It is that the people are not just discouraged, but they come, become discontent. And the discontent people become a disobedient people. Even discontentment itself is disobedience. To not be content with not just what God has given, but with who God is. And the reason why Israel in this time and the reason why the church and believers today murmur and complain against the plan of God or the providence of God or the provisions of God or even the very person of God Himself is because in their life He is not enough. We want the comforts that we had in Egypt. Did they forget that they were slaves? Oh, but we had good food in Egypt. Yeah, but you were slaves and not in the promised land of God. How often we miss this. A discouraged people become a discontent people. And a discontented people become a disobedient people. And all three of those things, those descriptions of the people of God here, stem from unbelief. And the promise and provision of God. The Word and work of God. Did God say He would give them the promised land? Yes, that's right. Dude, what does that mean? That they're going to get the promised land. Did God say that he would be with them in their midst? Yes. Was he with them in their midst? Yes. Did God say he would fight the battles that he would win the day? Yes. Did he do so? Yes. Did God say that daily you can wake up and find literal manna from heaven and that you don't have to work for it or bake it or nothing? Yes. Did he do it? Yes. And was it good enough for the people? how often we have heard the Word of God preached, how often we have sung together, how often we have fellowshiped together, how often we have done these things and seen God move, and yet for us and our discouraged and discontented hearts, we have become disobedient and said, it is not enough. That's how we know we need revival. When the people speak against God, you know you need revival. You say, well, preacher, that's not us. Oh, but my friend, every sin that you've ever committed this day would say that. Every sin that I've committed in my mind this very morning would say that. Discontent and disobedient people are self-sufficient people. If we look back here in Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 to 12 gives us the account the second time where they're out of water, God tells Moses, says in verse number eight, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes. Verse number eight, what does God say to do to that rock for water? Speak to it. He's provided rock, water out of the rock once. He said, Whack it. Now this time he says, Speak. And look at this it says and it shall give forth his water by hitting it or speaking to it by speaking to it because speaking is what God had commanded look what happens thou shalt bring forth them to the water out of the rock so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him that's good in verse 10 Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and he said to them hear now ye rebels oh what pride must we fetch you water out of this rock? You ain't fetching it, Moses. God's giving it. He says, and Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smoked the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and their congregation drank, and their beasts also. You want to see what the grace and mercy of God looks like? It's there in verse 11. A disobedient man of God who calls the people of God and tells them about how disobedient and rebellious they are. And he's rebelling and disobeying God Himself. And God, instead of drying up that rock, pours out water and provides for His people. All the more reason to show us that revival is not the hand of Moses with a rod, nor a man with a Bible, or a singer with a microphone, but it is by the grace and mercy and goodness of God despite sinfulness of man. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because he believed me not. Oh, what a tragedy. To sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have gotten. You say, he just disobeyed one little time and now he can't go into the promised land? Absolutely right. God would have been just to have that rock splinter and crash down unto Moses. But God didn't. Later on in the chapter, we find then as well in chapter 21, verses 1-3. through 3, And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard the Tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, and he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. Uh-oh. Verse number 2, And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place, horma and by verse 4 they have forgotten who god is a verse later they forgot that he was god that they had called out to it was god who had delivered their enemies into their hands not their hands that smote their enemies but the hand of god that placed the enemy into their hands how often we forget who we are and who god is how often we forget That it's the work of God and the hand of God that sustains his people, that revives his people, that defeats the enemy of his people. And one day it will be the hand of God that will crush his enemy once and for all. See, we disobey God because we are discontent, discontented with his provision. Notice in verse 5 there's no bread lie. Neither is there water. They just had some. Then they say, our soul loatheth this light bread. What's that light bread? Is it wheat? (laughs) Is it low calorie? Is it keto? No. It's manna given by God. They didn't have to do a thing for it. And they say, we don't want this. But this is not the first time that God's people said, we don't want what God's given when what God has given is not enough for you, that should be the sign you need revival. When what God is providing for you, even in the middle of a wilderness to get you to the promised land is not enough, that's how you know you need revival. When we remain unamazed and unthankful by the daily provision of God's mighty and gracious hand, that's how you know you need revival. Church, would I ask us today, do we need revival? Do we see our own state? They rejected the heavenly manna, a picture of the grace of God. Over in John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 31, the Jews are, of course, doing all they can to trip up Jesus, to fight against Jesus, to reject Jesus. They say, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. God has given us bread from heaven to eat. This book, when will it be enough for us, dear saints of God? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on Me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen Me and believe not. They literally saw the manna every morning in the wilderness and believed not. Not so different. It says, as Jesus is speaking here, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What does Jesus say? Look, believe, look, and live. Have we forgotten God's promises? Have we forgotten his provision? How long will we continue to reject the grace of God and the daily manna of which he's given to us? Psalm 78 tells us this. Psalm 78 is a wonderful recount of all that God had done for Israel and all that Israel had done to reject God. Time and time again, it tells us over and over about Israel's highs and lows. And boy, did they have some lows. Nor were their lows because God was mean or unfair, but because they had become discouraged and discontent and disobedient to God. But nevertheless, Psalm 78 Verse 40 tells us this, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Do you remember the day that God delivered you from the enemy? Do you remember the day that God delivered you and saved your soul? Do you remember when you were changed and saved and that your name was written down never to be blotted out? Do you remember the day that you looked to Christ for the first time and lived for the first time? Do you remember when Christ saved you and cleansed you by His precious blood? Do you remember what you've been saved from? Do you remember what you've been saved to? If not, you need revival. Many of us, as we see here in Numbers 21, it says the Lord because of this sent fiery serpents among the people. Is God mean? No, He's just. And He's using this to purify His people and to do something far greater here. What is the purpose of this? It's going to be to point to the punishment of sin and that justice must be served, but that mercy is given to all who will look and live be found in Christ. Christ alone. Says that many were bitten and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Many of them who had followed the Lord, many of them who had believed at one point in time, but many of them who had just grown discouraged, tired, and weary of the wilderness and had forgotten who God was and what God was doing. Today, if you are lost today, you've been bitten from the moment of your birth with a sinful nature. The sin curse of Adam is now in you and you are going to sin and you are going to die. You are separated from God and you need to be born again. The only answer will not be found. It will not be found in religion. It will not be found in a baptistry. It will not be found in joining a church. It will not be found in works or service. It will only be found as you look to Christ and live. Some of you saints of God, though, it seems have been bitten. Bitten by sin, bitten by discouragement, being discontent, growing weary of manna growing weary of the provision of God and saying, well, I just want more. I just need more. I just don't feel that this manna is good enough. I just don't feel that this manna makes me full. It does not matter what you think and feel. It matters that God has said, spoken, and provided for His people time and time again. The people that day could have received a blessing from God, but instead... As one commentator puts it, the people received something from the wilderness rather than from heaven. They received a sting instead of a blessing. Daily they received manna from heaven, but on this day, because they rejected the manna from heaven, and Israel later on reject Jesus Christ, the manna from heaven, the bread of life. And today, if that is you, what you receive is not from heaven. You will receive a sting from this world. A sting unto death. But look at this. And here's the message. Verses 7-9. and Therefore the people came to Moses. Moses, throughout his life and ministry, acted as a mediator. But Christ is the greater mediator. Christ is a greater Moses, a greater Adam. He is the fulfillment of the law who kept it perfectly and completely and died to give us grace. It says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. That's the first step of repentance, isn't it? For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. You and I would think here that God's just going to pull them serpents on out of there, out of the camp and throw them off somewhere because you know God's just going to deliver them straight away. He's going to provide a way, but it's not going to be through taking the snakes out. And it's not going to be through taking the venom out of their veins until verse 8 and 9. The Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Like the manna provided by God, the deliverance and redemption will be provided by the word and work of God. And both must be received by faith. The manna received by faith daily, knowing that God's going to provide for it. And here in this moment, God does not say, tell him to get out a band-aid or tell him to, uh, you know, try to uh, suck the venom out. No. Because instead, I want you to make a snake. A bronze one. And lift it up on a pole. And as Jesus will later say, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. This will be a beautiful picture of Christ. But in verse 7 we find the repentance, but I want you to know that repentance without looking to Christ is not real repentance. Confessing sin is not full repentance. It's just wallowing in self-pity. Real repentance is not just a confession of sin, but it is a confession of Christ. It is not just a looking at your filth, but it is looking to the righteousness that Jesus now provides. It is looking to the one who has been lifted up and judged instead of you. It is looking away from yourself and looking to another, one who is perfect. One who is precious, one who took your place so that the venom of sin in your veins could be snatched out and that you could look and live by faith alone. They must confess their sin, their sin of self reliance, self dependence, discontentment, and disobedience. But repentance is also turning to the work of God to save them from the just judgment. Revival only comes as we cast ourselves upon His mercy. And at this point, they've got no doctor that can bring revival. Even Moses can't bring revival. Only God can. The only way to receive such is to look and live. Look and live. Perhaps we don't have chapter 21 if Moses obeys the Lord in chapter 20. Perhaps we don't have that. Nevertheless, we do. Perhaps you and I don't have this chance of revival if we would have obeyed last revival. Nevertheless, we've got today. We've got this moment. You might not have tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. We might not have another revival meeting, but we have right now in this moment. Will you look and live? Dear sinner, will you look and live? Look to Christ and live. Dear saint of God, are you discouraged? Are you discontent? Are you struggling with sin? Are you fighting with sin? Are you fighting in a wilderness right now? Look and live. Look at this renewal that comes. God doesn't take away the serpents. Rather, He provides a way of renewal by faith alone, by looking to another, not self-work. This is the way that has always been. When God provides salvation, He does so not by one's own works or one's own merits, but by the work and merit of another. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved by grace through faith in Christ. Always has been, always will be. We must look to Christ and Christ alone to be saved. As a matter of fact, it is not just for your salvation. It is for your sanctification. It is not just to be saved and to have heaven be your home one day, but it is to get you through this wilderness right now. The only hope that you and I ever have revival, renewal of strength and life and vigor and usefulness, that's what revival is. The only way that we will ever have it is if we look away from ourselves and look to Christ and live. Where are you looking? Are you looking to your past victories? Are you looking to your past defeats? Are you looking to where you are right now in the wilderness and how dry and dusty and difficult it is? Or will you look to Christ who is high and lifted up and drawing you by His goodness to repentance and faith? He will not cast you out, dear sinner or saint of God. He told us that already. Whoever comes to Him, He will not cast out. God commands something culturally unthinkable for them to look upon by faith for healing and look at this picture in verse 9 and we're done. You see, you would say serpents aren't they normally a picture of sin and evil? Yes. From the very garden of Eden we see that throughout the scriptures. What about bronze? It is that of judgment. We find this today as you look back behind you you see that cross, don't you? I hope you do. As Jesus was high and lifted up that day, much like this bronze serpent in the wilderness, we find that justice has been served, that judgment has been given, that one other has taken away the sins of the guilty, that the innocent has taken the place of the guilty, that he who knew no sin became sin, Jesus became sin for us and was judged guilty so that you and I can be judged innocent before God. Not because you've earned it, deserved it, or done anything to get it, but because you have simply looked to Christ and now you may freely live. John chapter 3 tells us this. Verses 13... 15 Tell us, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and says, No man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Today, that is you. Jesus has already been lifted up, crucified, slain, risen, and ascended to the Father. Will you look to him and live, dear sinner? How about you, dear saint? in your wilderness where you are right now, will you look to Christ and live? Or will you allow the venom of discontentment, disobedience, and discouragement ruin your walk with the Lord? Look to Christ and live. John chapter 3 then tells us, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But here's our great hope. In the book of Isaiah... God is calling His nation to repentance. He is warning them of the great judgment to come, but as well throughout the book of Isaiah, He gives Isaiah these wonderful truths that though judgment is coming, the Messiah is coming as well, not just to come born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die a death for for sinners, but as well to come one day to rule and to reign and that one day there will be peace again for God's people forever and forever. But Isaiah 45, verse 22, the Lord says, Look unto Me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. What is the cure? What is the thing that brings revival? It is not your work, my work, Brother Taylor's work, or any song that will be sung this week. It is that Christ bids you come and that He has been lifted up and that you may now freely look and live. Look to Christ and live. Revival will only come then. Today, dear sinner who doesn't know Christ, look and live. Be born again and know what real life looks like. But to you, dear saint of God who is struggling with discouragement, disobedience, discontentment, and all the above in your wilderness, you say, I need revival. Revival. Here's where it's at. Look to Christ and live once more. Be renewed in your strength. Renewed in your life. And renewed for usefulness. And one day, we too shall reach the promised land and it won't be here. The moment we see the Lord, it will all be worth it. Let's all stand this morning. This piano is going to play. And as it plays, this altar's open. If you need to be born again today, come. I'll take the Bible and show you Christ. Look and live. Be born again today. Today, if you're struggling with sin, today, if you're struggling with discouragement, whatever it might be, dear saint of God, would you come? Look to Christ and live. That's the answer to revival. If you need revival, want revival, desire revival, look to Christ and live. This altar's open. Would you come?